War by Pierre Lotti. Chapter 15 of War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Peter Bishop. War by Pierre Lotti. Translated by Marjorie Laurie. Chapter 15. Above all, let us never forget. August the 1st, 1915. A year ago today began that shameful violation of Belgian territory. In the midst of these appalling horrors, time, it seems, has hastened still more in its bewildered flight, and already we have reached the anniversary of that foul deed, the blackest that has ever defiled the history of the human race. This crime was committed after long, hypocritical premeditation, and no pang of remorse, no vestige of shame, caused those myriads of accomplices to stay their hands. It is a crime that leaves with us, in addition to immeasurable mourning, an impression of infinite sadness and discouragement, because it proves that one of the greatest countries in Europe is hopelessly bankrupt of all that men have agreed to call honour, civilization, and progress. The barbarian onslaughts of ancient days were not only a thousand times less murderous, but, let it be specially noted, incomparably less revolting in character. There were certain dastardly deeds, certain acts of profanation, certain lies at which those hordes that came to us from Asia hesitated. An instinctive reverence still restrained them, and, moreover, in those times they did not destroy with such impudent cynicism, invoking the God of Christians in a burlesque pathos of prayer. Thus in our own day has arisen a grisly emperor, with a pack of princelings, his own progeny, a litter of wolves, whose most savage and at the same time most cowardly representative wears a death's head upon his helmet and generals and millions of Germans have been found ready to unite, after a calculated preparation of nearly half a century, in committing this same preliminary crime, the forerunner of so many others, and by way of prelude to crush ignobly in their advance a little nation whom they had deemed without defence. But lo, the little nation arose, quivering with sacred indignation, and attempted to check the great barbarism, suddenly unmasked, to check it for at least a few days, even at the cost of a seemingly inevitable doom of annihilation. What starry crowns can history award, worthy of that Belgian nation and of their king, who did not fear to bid them set themselves there as a barrier? King Albert of Belgium, dispossessed today of his all and banished to a hamlet, what tribute of admiration and homage can we offer him worthy of his acceptance and sufficiently enduring? Upon tablets of flawless marble let us carve his name in deep letters, so that it may be well insured against the fugitiveness of our French memories, which, alas, have sometimes proved a little untrustworthy, at least in face of the age-long infamies of Germany. May we remember forever, we, and even our far distant posterity, that to save civilized Europe, and especially of our own country of France, King Albert did not for one moment shrink from those sheer, unconditional sacrifices which seemed beyond human strength. Spurning the tempting compromises offered by that monstrous emperor, he has fulfilled to the end his duty of loyal hero with a calm smile, as if nothing were more natural. And so perfect is his modesty that he is surprised if he is told that he has been sublime. As for Queen Elizabeth, let each one of us dedicate to her a shrine in his soul. One of the most dreadful duties that falls almost invariably to the lot of queens is having to reign over adopted countries while exiled from their own. In the special case of this young martyred queen, this doom of exile which has befallen her, and many other queens, 
must be a far more exquisite torture, added to all the other evils endured, for a crushing fatality has come and separated her forever from all who were once her own people, even from that noble woman, all devotion and charity, who was her mother. This additional sorrow she bears with calm and lofty courage which never falters. She is by the king's side, his constant companion in the most terrible hours of all, a companion whose energy halts at nothing. And she is by the side of the poor who have lost their all by pillage or fire, by the side of the wounded who are suffering or dying. To them, too, she is a companion, comforting the lowliest with her adorable simplicity, shedding on all the increasing bounty of her exquisite compassion. Oh, may she be blessed, reverenced, and glorified. And for her altar, dedicated within our souls, let us choose very rare, very delicate flowers, like unto herself. End of chapter 15 Recording by Peter Bishop